Shalom to all. Today's office bubble coming off Kuf Bay is a weird song to the top line with the words Amrav Kahana. And today's office sponsor, Lilu Nishmas, Mars, Miriam, Sarah, Basar, Yaakov, Moshe, Hernish, Shama, should have an Aliyah. Now, Lilu Nishmas, Mars, Freda, Chayu, Bela, Basar, Yitzchak, Tzvi, Hernish, Shama, should have an Aliyah. Now, in the course of the wide ranging discussion yesterday of whether or not we say Yes, Shavach, Saman, Mal, Tzemer, we brought up Shemitah. And we concluded that according to Rava, Stam, Etzim, Lasakonenhu, most wood is used for burning, namely for its coals, and therefore doesn't have Kedusha Shvias. Why not? And that's because in order for something to have this designation of Kedusha it has to qualify as the destruction of the item and the benefit gained from it must happen at the same time. Like food, but wood is first burned and only afterwards it becomes a usable coal. And because of this, all wood, says Rava, doesn't have Kedusha Shvias. And that's even Eitzim Demeshchan, very oily wood that's used as a torch, which means that this particular wood is but still we say and that's that. So now the Gemara tells us Amrav Khan of Khan says really whether or not we say is Machlech's Tanoim. We have a bride saw. In my son, Paris Shvias, loyal Mishra Voyal Kfusa, one solid use Paris Shvias, for example, wine, for soaking flax in, or for laundering clothing. Evidently, wine was good for these two things. Whereas Rabbi Yesi and Rabbi Yesi says, Nice in Paris Shvias, Lusecha Mishra, Lusecha Kfusa, one is allowed to take Paris Shvias, he is allowed to take Shemitah wine and put it inside the flax soaking area or in the pit where he's laundering his clothing. Now, my time in Rabbana was Rabbana's reasoning, and that's because Amar Karlapasik says, La'achla, the Paris Shvias are meant for eating, and we learn from here for loyal Mishra, and not for soaking flax in. Furthermore, we learn, La'achla is meant for eating, loyal Kfusa, and not for laundering clothing. Whereas Rabbi Yesi and Rabbi Yesi says, Amar Kohi, a different pasuk that says, Lachem, the Perish Vies is for you. And we learn from here, Lachal Tzarchechem, that it's for all your needs. Now, Rabban and Amyak said, Lachem, how did Rabban answer this? We do have a pasuk that says, Lachem, so they would say that Lachem, Domyodol Achla. When the pasuk says, Lachem, Mashma, that you can use it for many different things and not only for eating, it just means that it has to be used for something that's similar to eating. Bimishan also be Shavin, and that's only for certain things that the Hana and the beer of this thing happen at the same time. Like we just explained, Yatu Mishro Kfusa, that excludes using for soaking flax in or for laundering clothing, the benefit from it is after the beer. The moment you put the flax inside the wine of Shemitah, for example, the wine gets ruined, so that's the beer, and the benefit only comes a couple days later when the flax is actually usable. And so that's why, according to the Chavim, even though we have the word Lachem, it does not allow us to use Perishvias for Mishra or Kvusa. Now, pausing right over here, we clearly see this Machlag Sanaim. The Rabbanon hold the Stam Peris Lachila. All fruit and produce and things that come from those plants are meant for eating and not for other uses. And even though this guy wants to use this wine to clean his clothing. Maybe it's even special wine detergent. Still, it has Kedusha Shvias. And that's just like wood, the Chum hold that Stam ate some Lasakanenu. Whereas Rabiesi holds that no, since he's using this wine for such a purpose and he doesn't have intent to drink it, so he never got Kedusha Shvias. Now we just continue explaining this Machlekes over here. Rabiesi Nami, what about Rabiesi also? Haksiv Laachla. It says in Pasuk Laachla, Mashma, you're only allowed to use it for eating and not for other things. So I'm Lachar. Rabiesi would tell you, how we buy Leil Chetanya? That's necessary for the following Brysa. The Tanya, the Brysa says as follows Laachla, Malugma. When the Pasuk says you're allowed to eat, Pay your shvias, that means you're allowed to eat it and not use it as a bandage. Now we can explain explaining. You say the word achla means you have to eat it and you're not allowed to use it for a bandage. Maybe the Pasuk is really telling us that you have to eat it and you're not allowed to use it for laundering clothing, like the Rabban understand the Pasuk. And the reason why we don't say that is because when the Pasuk says lachem, that's referring to kvusa to laundering clothing, and that tells us that we are allowed to launder clothing with pair shvias. So then what do I learn from the word la It must be that it's telling us that we have to eat perishvias and we could use it for other uses as well, but not for malugma, not for a bandage. However, now we ask on this, Why is it seeming to you to include kvusa that you're allowed to use perishvias for laundering clothing and you're excluding using them for malugma for a bandage? Maybe we should do the other way around. So the answer is, kvusa, I include that we're allowed to launder clothing with perishvias because this is something that's equal by everyone. Everyone needs to launder the clothing. So that's why we're allowed to use perishvias for such a thing. But I exclude using perishvias as a bandage, 
Because that's not equal by everyone. Not everyone needs a bandage. And that's why we're not allowed to use parashvias for a bandage. And now that we have these sheetas down pat, the Gemara continues, according to whom is the following brysa, they're allowed to use parashvias for eating and not for a bandage. We're allowed to use parashvias for eating and not for spraying. They used to take wine and put in spritz bottles and spray it around for a nice aroma. And we're not allowed to use shemitah wine for that. And furthermore, we're allowed to eat parashvias and not make this apiktvizin out of it, which is some sort of drink that makes a person throw up. So come on, who says brysa like? Kerebiyasi, it's like Rebiyasi. Dik Rabbanon, because you want to think it's like the Rabbanon, well, Ikanayim Mishra The Rabbanon will also include that we're not allowed to use parashvias for soaking flax in or for laundering clothing. And since this brysa didn't mention that, it must be this is only according to Rebiyasi and not the Rabbanon. And the Gemara continues explaining the Mishnah, Rebihuda Imer Ima Shevach Lachulu, and this is Rebihuda arguing on Rav Meir in the Mishnah. Something where it tells us, Simon, the sign for the following Gemara is Samach Beis Nun, and the Samach refers to Rav Yosef. The Beis has to do with Rav Abba, and the Nun has to do with Rav Huna. And they're going to be involved in this discussion of the Gemara. So Yasser Rav Yosef, Acharid Rav Abba, Rav Yosef was sitting behind Rav Abba, Kamed Rav Huna, who was sitting in front of Rav Huna. We also Rav Huna Vakaamir, and Rav Huna was sitting and saying the following: Halacha Kribshu Ben Karcha, the Halachas are Kribshu Ben Karcha. We're going to see what the Halacha is like him in a minute. And Halacha Kribi Yehuda, the Halachas are Kribi Yehuda of our Mishnah. Now, during Rav Yosef Ape, Rav Yosef turns his face away. He was upset when he heard this, and Amar he said as follows: Bishlam Rav Shu Ben Karcha Itzrich. We understand that it's necessary for Rav Huna to say that the Halachas are Kribi Shu Ben Karcha. Why is that? Because like that Chamina, I would have thought Yachad Rab Halacha Grabim. Then when we have an individual arguing with the majority, the Halacha is always like the majority. Kamashmon, the Chiddush is Halacha Kiyachid. That over here, the Halacha is like the Yachid. Now we just pause and explain. Rabbi Shimon Karcha Maihi. What exactly is this member of Rabbi Shimon Karcha that we pass and like him? The Tanya, because we have a brayer, Rabbi Shimon Karcha Emer. He tells us Milva B'Shtar. If there is a halva that a yid lent money to a guy and that was written down in a shtar in front of mehen, one is not allowed to get paid back from the guy within three days of his yontif. That's because the guy is going to be so happy that he paid his loan back on his yontif. He's going to thank his avodazara, and that means that the yid was the cause of the guy thanking his avodazara. And the yid doesn't have to be afraid that he's going to lose his money because it's written down nishtar. So we'll collect it a different time. Whereas Milva if there's just an oral loan and it's not written down nishtar in front mehen, so a yid is allowed to collect from the guy even right before his yontif. That's because like he's saving it from his hands since the yid doesn't have any proof that he lent the guy money and the guy's trying to pay him back. So just take the money and run with it, even though it's right before the guy's yontif. And again, it's necessary to say that Allah is like Rabshim in this case because Acham argue with him and say that even if it's a Milva still it's not allowed to be collected before the guy's yontif. El Yosef continues, why do we have to say this is a classic situation where we have a machlaikas and afterwards we have a stam mishnah like one side of the machlaikas. Whenever we have machlaikas and afterwards we have a stam mishnah, so we pass like the stam mishnah. And later on we have a stam mishnah just like Rabbi Huda. Machlaikas Babakama. We have this machlaikas between Rabbi Huda and Rameir in Babakama, which is our mishnah. What's the mishnah? Let's buy a Adam, it's by Shachar, Shachar, it's by Adam. He gave wool to a dyer to dye it red and he dyed it black, or vice versa. So Rameir and Rameir says, nice light to make samurai. And Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Huda says, we have over here and we have a stam mishnah passing like Rabbi Yehuda in Bab Metzia. Ditnan was mishnah Bab Metzia say anyone who changes from what he's supposed to do, he was the one that deviated. He has a lower hand. And anyone who backs out, he also has a lower hand. And that's just like Rabbi Yehuda. That's why Rav Yosef was upset. Why did Rav Huna have to say that Allah is like Rabbi Yehuda? It's obvious Allah is like Rabbi Yehuda. It's a machlek as stam. Now the Gemara just explains Rav Huna itzrech. Rav Huna did feel it was necessary to say that Allah is like Rabbi Yehuda because I that Chamina, you might have thought, ain't say to the Mishnah, that there's no proper order for Mishnayas, and therefore, if a Stam Achach Machlaikasi, this could actually be viewed as a Stam Achach Machlaikas, therefore, you had to say that Allah is like Huda. Now, Rav Yasef, he'd respond to that, Yahachim, that's really so, then call Machlaikas Vachach Stama. In every situation of a Machlaikas, and afterwards we have a Stam, Nema, why don't we just say, ain't say to the Mishnah? There's no proper order to the Mishnah, and the Stam Achach Machlaikasi. Really, it's a Stam Achach Machlaikas. And that's not a very logical thing to say. 
Now, Rav Luna, he would respond to that. When do we say, that's only in the same Masechta? And therefore, in every Masechta, we'll say that every single Mishnah is in order. And therefore, if we have a Machlaikes Vachachachstam in one Masechta, we'll say that's a proper Machlaikes Vachachachstam. But if we're talking about two separate Masechtas, then we will say, and over here, we're talking about two separate Masechtas. The Machlaikes is above a Kama, the Stam is above a Metziah, and therefore, you might think that actually, and it's not a case of Machlaikes and that's what Rav Huna had to say that the halachas are Huda. However, Rav Yosef, he'd respond to that by saying, Kula Nizikin, Chadam Sechtahi, that all of Nizikin is considered like one Masechta, has just divided into three sub Masechtas, which we call Baba Kabam, Baba and Baba Basra, but really it's considered like one Masechta. By the same alternative, we could say that the reason why Rav Yosef had a problem with what Rav Huna said, as we show in the Katani law, Gavi Hilch Sikta, because that Mishnah Baba Metziah was taught by a number of halachas psukas, that halachas definitely like them, so there's no reason for Rav Yosef to tell us that. And among those halachas psukas are Kalamashani, and therefore, there was no reason for Rav Huna to speak out that halachas are Yehuda, because clearly these halachas psukas in Bab Metziah are like Rabbi Yehuda. And now we're going to bring a discussion that seems to be just like the Machlaikas between Rav Meir and Rabbi Yehuda and our Mishnah. So, turn around, we have a Braisa. A person gave money to Shliach, to buy wheat for him, and he bought barley, or he gave him the money to buy barley, and he ended up buying wheat with it. So, we're going to have a seeming steer between Braisas. Now, over here, at least on our Havamina, even though it seems to be that we have a classic case of a Mishnah. And a shliach, this is really different. This over here is actually an investment. So over here, we actually have an investor. That's the guy with the capital. That's Ruvain. And we have the managing partner. That's Shimon. And Shimon was told by Ruvain, go buy wheat so that we can make profit or go buy barley so we can make profit off it. And the profits or losses would be shared by both of them. So what's Allah in the situation where he bought the wrong thing? Tanya Khadio, we have one brass that says, if everything went down in value, so that went down in value for the shliach, for Shimon, for the managing partner. And if it went up in value, it goes up up in value for him as well. We have another price that says, if they go down in value, so that's his loss, Shimon, the managing partner, but if they go up in value, that gain goes to the middle, meaning it's split 50-50. So it seems we have a stira, and Harab Yechon says, Kasha, no problem, Harab Meir, Harab Yehuda. The first price is Harab Meir, the second price is Harab Yehuda. Harab Meir, the first price is Harab Yehuda, the Amr Shinu Ekaina, who holds that Shinu is Kaina. And over here, it's very important to note that the Shinu we're discussing is not a change in object, like we were discussing the Mishnah, that he dyed it the wrong color. Over here, the Shinu is a deviation deviation of the instructions. And since the shliach deviated from the instructions, he's kind of the money. It's kind of like he stole it. And therefore, everything belongs to him. So if it goes down in value, that's his loss. But if it goes up in value, that's his gain. Because right now, this whole business deal has nothing to do with the mishaleach, because the shliach deviated from the instructions. Shino Ekaina, that's Rav Meir. Whereas Baha, the second price, Rabbi Yehuda, that's Rabbi Yehuda, the Amr Shino Ekaina, who holds that Shino is not Kaina. And therefore, even though the shliach deviated from the instructions, the investor, the mishaleach, Ruvain, he's still considered to be a partner. And that's why if there's gains, he gets some of them. However, if there's losses, Reuven could always tell Shimon, I only sent you to do good for me, not do bad for me. And since you deviated and it turned out to be a loss, so you have to suffer that entire loss. So here we have two prices that seem to be Reb Meir and Reb Yudel Shitasam. However, the Gemara tells us, Reb Lazar, Reb Lazar asks on Reb Yechon's explanation. Mimai, who says this is true? Maybe Reb Meir only holds his opinion of Shinu Kaina El of Gufe, only for something that's good for him himself. For example, wool that was sent to the dyer and the fellow dyed it wrong. Or he gave him wood to make into a chair and he made it into a bench, or vice versa, like we had previously. Loyalmeyer. But when we're talking about business, maybe he doesn't hold Shinoi Kaina. Because bottom line is, Reuven the investor wants to make money. And even though he told Shimon buy wheat, he doesn't really care at the end of the day if Shimon buys barley and he's going to make money off the barley. So when we're dealing with a business deal, Reb Meir doesn't necessarily hold the Shinoi Kaina. And therefore, Elam Reb Lazar, Reb Lazar says, Havahara Meir. Really, both of these prices could be Reb Meir. Kasha, and there's no steer between prices. The first price is talking about we instructed him to buy wheat or barley for eating. And since the Shliach deviated, then we say Shinoi Kaina. And therefore, the Shliach takes full responsibility for this wheat or barley. 
Charlie. And if they go down in value, that's his loss. And if they go up in value, that's his gain. Whereas the second brass is talking about a business deal. And that's what even according to Rav Meir, the Mashallah Ruvain, this investor, would gain. But now we're focusing on Rabbi Yechanan's opinion. In my Rava, in Eretz Yisrael, they laughed at Rabbi Yechanan's opinion, meaning in his explanation of Rabbi Yehuda's Shita. And this is what they said. Did someone tell the Baal Chitin, meaning the seller, that he should be making the wheat to the Baal Mois, to the one who has the money, which is Ruvain, the investor? And this question is as follows. According to Rabbi Yechanan's explanation, the second brass is Rabbi Yehuda. And since the Shliach bought the wrong thing, he simply isn't considered a Shliach, and that's why the losses are his. But what about when there are gains? How are those the Mishaleachs? Since the Shliach isn't a Shliach anymore, that means the seller, the Baal Chitin, technically needs to have in mind to be makna half of the grain to the investor in order for him to share in the profits. And obviously the seller wasn't told to do this. It's not like the shliach told him, look, I'm really supposed to be buying barley, but I'm buying wheat instead, and I'm not really a shliach, and therefore you, Mr. Wheat Seller, need to be makna half of it to the guy who sent me. And again, since this didn't happen, how can the investor take half of the profits? That's a question from my Rava, from the Chalm and Yisrael, on Rabbi Yechon's explanation of Rabbi Yehuda. However, Maskele Rav Shulba Sisrati, Sisrati asked on this question, if that's really so, even if he was told to buy wheat and he bought wheat, using the same logic, you should say, well, the wheat seller never had in mind to be makna that wheat to the investor, to the Balamais, and so he shouldn't be cut in that case either. So Rabbavo, Rabbavo defended the question of Marava, and he said as follows, Wheat and wheat is different, meaning when Shimon was instructed to buy wheat and he bought wheat, that's different. Because he's doing the proper shlich, and he's like the Baalbais himself, and that's how the Baalbais is kind of to the extent that he gets to share the profits. And Teda, you should know, says Rabbavo, did not that we have a mission just like this. Whether a person has Maktesh all of his property to the base of Mikdash, or he's Marech himself, which means he donates his Erech, his value to the base of Mikdash. So Einloi, the Gizbar, who's coming to collect from this fellow, does not have the rights to the following. Because Ishtai, he's allowed to take the fellow's wife's clothing, and not the kid's clothing, and not for any colored cloth that was dyed for his wife. For clothing, and not any new shoes that were bought for them. Now, but why would we say this? Lema, why don't we say, so to over here. Who told the dyer who dyed the cloth that he should dye it for the wife? When the husband brought the cloth to be dyed, the professional dyer person was dyeing it for the husband and not for the wife, but still we're saying that it belongs to the wife, and that's why it can't be taken away by the gizbar. It must be because we say, he's doing the shlichus, and he's like the hand of his wife, meaning when the husband brings the cloth to the dyer to dye a particular color, even though the dyer doesn't know he's doing it for the wife, since the husband is the wife's shliach, it's like it's being done for the wife. So to over here, Shimon is doing Ruvain's shlichus when he buys wheat, and he's like the hand of the balabayas, and that's why even though the wheat seller doesn't necessarily intend to be mocking the wheat, to Ruvain, it automatically becomes Ruvain's because Shimon is doing Ruvain's shlichos. So your question of Shmuel Sasrati is not valid. However, Amr of Abba, Abba asks on Rabbavo's proof from this Mishnah. The Loi, that's not the reason why the Gizbar is not allowed to take the guy's wife's clothing or his kid's clothing. It's for a totally different reason. Call him Anyone who's Makish Chasev ain't that Doxosesh Tayubanov. A person's das is not on the clothing of his wife and kids. And it's that simple. However, Maskalar of Zer, Zer asks on this, If a person's Makish all of his Nechasim, do you really think he's going to be Makish his own Tfilin, but still with we have a mission that says, if a person makes all of his nechasim, we have to evaluate this fellow's tefillin, how much they're worth, and he has to give that value to the base of Mikdash. And if a person's makdish his tefillin, even though you would think he definitely wouldn't do so, so he's for sure makdish his wife's clothing as well. However, Amalia Bayabai told him, in, it's actually true, and it's different, that does all about tefillin. A person's das is to be makdish his tefillin. Because a makdish chasav, when a person makes all of his nechasim, Savari thinks to himself, mitzvah kavidna, I'm doing a mitzvah right now. And as part of this mitzvah, I want to be makdish everything, including my tefillin. However, if it ain't that 
Rabbanov, a person does not have in mind to match his wife and children's clothing, Mishum Eva, because of animosity. If the Gizbar comes to take away their clothing, or if they're not allowed to use their clothing until the husband pays for it, then his husband and children are going to get very upset, and therefore he definitely has in mind not to be Makdash for clothing, and therefore this is not a question. Now we just continue on this tangent for another minute. Maskifla Ravishai, Ravishai asks the following question. This Mishnah is not only talking about a person being Makdash their things, it's also talking about a person promising their own Erech, their own value to the base of Mikdash. And Utanan was Mishnah say, that if a person is chayv to pay his erech to the base of mikdash, the gizbar can come in and take a mashkin from him. Does a person really have das that when he says he's going to give his erech to the base of mikdash, then the gizbar is going to come and take a mashkin? He obviously doesn't have that intention, but still the gizbar can take a mashkin anyway. So you still haven't explained the second part of this mishnah. El Amar explains the mishnah differently. The what's this mishnah talking about? Call Anyone who's makdash is nechasim. It's as if he was makna his wife and children's clothing to them before he was Makdash's Nechassim, and that's why the Gizbar is not allowed to take them. So we just got a little bit sidetracked, if you will, discussing this mission over here. But back to our main point. What we come out with over here is Machlex between Marava, the Chum and Eretz and Rabbi Vo on one side, and Rabbi Yechanan and Rabbi Shulwash on the other. And what's the Machlex? Who does a seller intend to sell his item to, and do we care about what that intention is? So according to Marava, Udi'ime, and everyone along with him, the seller always intends to sell it to whom he perceives is the buyer, and we don't necessarily always go with that. Whereas according to Rabbi Yechanan, Udi'ime, and everyone with him, the seller also intends to be mocking the item to the one who provided the money for the sale, not only the buyer. Therefore, let's just speak this out. When Shimon buys something with Ruvain's money, as per Ruvain's instructions, meaning he's Ruvain's shliach, everyone agrees that Ruvain is kind of the item. Why is that? Well, according to Marava, even though the seller intended to be it to Shimon and not to Ruvain, because again, he perceives Shimon as the buyer, it doesn't really make a difference because we don't really care what the seller's intention is. And since Shimon is a legal shliach, so Ruvain is kainet. And according to Yechiron, the reason it belongs to Ruvain is because the seller actually does intend to be it to the Mishalayach because he's the one providing the money. But now here's the case where we have a difference. Let's say Shimon buys something with Ruvain's money and he was not appointed as a shliach to do so. Like our example that we started out discussing, Ruvain told him to buy wheat and he bought barley or vice versa. Marava holds that since he isn't a legal shliach, and the seller has no intention to be mocking this item to Ruvain, so Ruvain isn't kind of at all. However, Rabbi Yechana maintains that since the seller has intent to be mocking this thing to Ruvain as well, because he's providing the money for it, so therefore it is acquired by him, even though the shliach deviated from shlichos. So now that we have this clearly, more brings a brisa and is going to try to ask a question on Shitas Marava. Tanar Bonner, we have a brisa that says, If a person buys a field in the name of his friend, in Kavinasalimkar, wouldn't force him to sell it. But if he said, we do force him to sell it. It. So the Gemara asks, my Ka'amar, what in the world is the Brasa talking about? So Rav Sheshis, Rav Sheshis explains, oh, this is what the Brasa is saying. If a person is buying a field from his friend in the name of the Reish Galusa, in other words, he's saying, I'm buying this field for the Reish Galusa. And the Reish Galusa was the head of the Yidin in Galus, hence the name Reish Galusa. And the reason why the person would do so, even though he's not really buying the field for the Reish Galusa, he's buying it for himself, is because he wants to prevent other people from being around the sale. He doesn't want people to say, hey, you can't buy it, it's really my field, I used to own it, it was my father's, my uncles, my cousins, my brothers, and this is a good way to stop them because when they see that the Reish Galusa bought this field, they're just going to be quiet. And therefore, again, continuing with Shesh's explanation, when he says he's buying it for the Reish Galusa, in Reish Galusa Limkar, we don't force the Reish Galusa to sell it to him, meaning we don't force the Reish Galusa to give this fellow official documentation that the field is really his. However, if he said, I'm buying this field from you on condition that the Reish Galusa is maskim to give me proper documentation that the field is really mine, then Kevin is Reish Galusa Limkar, we force the Reish Galusa to sell it to him, again, which means 
means just giving proper documentation. Something we understand is Bryce, so here's the question. Omar Mar, we had just stated in the Bryce, if a person buys a field claiming that he's buying it for the Rish Galusa, in covenant of Rish Galusa Limkar, wouldn't force Rish Galusa to sell it to him. Now, Michlal, this implies that the person who plunked down the money for the field, we'll call him Ruven over here, he's actually cutting the field, and we're just saying that we don't force the Rish Galusa to provide official documentation that the field is Ruven's and not the Rish Galusa's, because the bill of sale says that it was sold to the Rish Galusa, even though Ruven was really the one that paid the money for it, and he really bought it for himself and not for the Rish Galusa. Now, let's say this is clearly not like the Bemai Rava, the Amri who had said previously, and this is clearly not like them. How is that? Well, because according to my Rava, we had said, the seller intends to be making a thing to whom he thinks is the buyer. And here, the buyer seems to be the Rish Galusa. However, the Brasa clearly states that we don't force the Rish Galusa to hand over documentation of the field to Ruvain, which means in essence that Ruvain was really the one that was kind of the field, not the Rish Galusa, and we're just dealing with the technicality of documentation. And again, just for clarification, this means that it doesn't make a difference who the seller intends to be making the field to, the one who put the money down for the field, he's the one that's kind it, namely Ruvain and not the Rish Galusa. So this is clearly not like Marava. However, the Gemara says, Im Shumhal like Kasha. If it's just because of this, that's not a question. Kugain, we could say, for example, that what happened over here, the Ede la Balsade, that this fellow Ruvain told the Balsade and he told the Edim that the only reason why he wants the bill of sale to be written down in the Rish Galusa is that people can't be Ma'ara on the sale. But really, he's buying it for himself. So the seller did have intent to be Makinet to Ruvain and not to the Rish Galusa. So Gemara says, fine, that's a good explanation and we don't have a question on Marava. But we still have a problem with the way of Shesh is explained the Brysa. El Masefa. Take a look at the state of the Brysa. We had said, Almanas, if the person had said Almanas, Kevin Sarish Kalusalemkar, so we forced the Rish Galusa to sell it to him, which again means provide him with proper documentation. Well, Amai, why would we do this? Blame Rish Galusa, why does the Rish Galusa just say, I don't want your honor and I don't want your degradation. Meaning, I don't want to be involved in any of your transactions. Don't say that you're buying the field in my name to give me honor because that shows that people are scared of me. And don't degrade me getting me involved in your transactions that now I have to write a star over to you. So this doesn't even make sense in the first place. If the fellow says Almanas, all of a sudden we're going to force the Rish Galusa to provide this fellow with proper documentation that really the field is Ruvain's and not the Rish Galusa's. So it has to be there's a totally different explanation to the Brai saw. El explains differently. Hachakamar, this is what the Brai is saying. Someone who's buying a field for his friend, the Rish Galusa. And again, it's the same thing. Ruvain's buying a field claiming that he's buying it for the Rish Galusa. On top, here's where we differ. We don't force the seller to sell it again, which means we don't force the seller to write another document that shows that Ruvain was really the one that bought it. The first bill of sale said that this field was bought by the Rish Galusa. But now Ruvain wants a document showing that he was really the one that paid the money and the field is really his. And that's what the Bryce is saying, that we don't force the seller to write the second documentation. However, the Bryce continues from Amr Lai, if you told him, Almanas, on condition that you write the second document for me, we do force the seller to sell it again, meaning to write another document. However, now we just ask on this, both on the Rish and the Seifa, Amr Mar, we just stated, that if a person bought a field for his friend, meaning he bought it in the name of the Rish Galusa, we don't force the seller to sell it to him again, meaning to write proper documentation that Ruvin was really the one that bought it, not the Rish Galusa. So the Gemara asks Pshita, that's obvious. Why do you think that we'd be able to force the seller to write another document? So the Gemara answers, we might have thought, that the buyer can tell the seller, you know very well that I bought the field for myself and not for the Rish Galusa. And I just needed a security for myself. And that's why I said, I'm buying it for the Rish Galusa. And I'm not just going to throw away money like that, buying a field and writing the star for the Rish Galusa. I obviously had intent that you're going to write another star for me that I could put in my own personal files saying that I own the field. So Kamash Malan, the Chilish of the Rish of the Brisa is, the Amar Lay, that the seller could respond to the buyer and tell him as follows, I thought that you had some sort of deal worked out, person in whose name you bought the field for, and that he was going to write for you a different document saying that he doesn't really own the field and that you own the field. And 
that's how the seller can get out of it. Now going to the safe for the bride saw of him, Amr Loy, but if he had told him, Almanas, then I'm buying this field from you on condition that you write another star for me. So in Kaifin Kar, we do force the Meicher to write another star for the buyer. As the Marapshita, that's obvious. Of course, if they made this deal beforehand, so the Meicher has to write another star for him. So the whole Khanish is that we're talking about a particular case. The Amrulhulasadi Kamedi Day, we're talking about where the buyer told the Adim in front of the seller the following. See to it, meaning you should know that I want another star written out in my name. And the buyer did not tell this to the seller directly. He told it to the Adim in front of the seller. And therefore, Mala Tim, you might have thought that Matsu the seller could tell the buyer, Amina, I said to myself, that you were saying to the Adim, I want another star from the person whom I'm buying it in his name. I want that guy to write me a star. The buyer could tell the seller, that's the reason I went through the pains of telling it to the Adim in front of you. It's because I want the star from you and I don't want it from the fellow in whose name I'm buying it. And we're stopping for the day, but pick up tomorrow, continue to talk about the opinion of Marava. For now, everyone should have a wonderful day.